in your bulletin, you'll see an insert. Yeah, that one. On one side is Jingle Jam. Let me throw out another Jingle Jam plug. Um, be sure and mark your calendars for that. That's going to be a great event. On the other side is our passage for today, <laughs> which I'm not going to read to you all. Um, but I did want you to have it because it's an important passage, and we're going to touch on quite a bit of it this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 48. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, Andy uh, spoke to us about the law and that Jesus came not to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. And the message that Christ brought to us is summed up in the two greatest commandments, which are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And we see this illustrated in the cross. There's a vertical beam which reminds us that we are to love God with everything that we have, all that we are, that we are to love him, and he loves us as well. But it doesn't end there because there's also the, the horizontal beams that remind us that we are to love and reach out to our neighbor as well, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that message of love and grace is really important for us because it's really easy for us to go the path of the Pharisees and to judge one another on our ability to follow the rules and the regulations and to get it right as, as I know how, how it ought to be, so you ought to do it how I want you to do it. And it's really easy to fall into that trap. And that puts the emphasis not on love and grace, but on legalism and rule following and regulation following. And Jesus came to show us a new way, a new path. It's a way of servant leadership. You remember um, that same night as we celebrate communion, that same night he took his cloak off and he wrapped it around himself and he went to his disciples and he washed their feet. Now, I can't emphasize enough to you the difference between that time, time period and today when it came to washing someone's feet. They didn't have sewer systems and sewage systems. The streets were not clean. And the disciples at that table, their feet would have been yucky, nasty. Y yeah, you know, <laughs> bad. It was, so, so this idea of, of him getting down to on, on the floor and washing his, the disciples' feet is radical. Right? They had servants who did this. Servants of the house who did this. And when he was done, he said, If I, your master and your Lord, do this for you, then you should do this for one another. He was giving us the model of leadership that he wants us in the church today to follow. It's servant leadership. It's about serving others. It's not about self-proclamation, self-aggrandizement, raising ourselves. Hey, look at me. Look how great I am. It's not about that. Not in the church. Not for followers of Christ. It's about humility. It's following a path of humility over elevating ourselves above anyone else. It's a path of self-sacrifice. It's the path of the cross. It's the path of Christ. It's what he is tell, trying to get across to us in this message on the Sermon on the Mount. It's not like you think it is. It's 
not like you think it is. We're supposed to love others and lift them up and encourage them to become who that, that God created them to be, to help them to, to reach into that place, to go beyond what, what we might see to a place that God has prepared for them. And that message of grace and love is extraordinarily important, and it's paramount. But, please hear me, Jesus is very much interested in how we live our lives. Jesus is very much interested in how we live our lives. And what I mean by that is living the Christian life is not meant to be lived without parameters and without regulation. We don't go do whatever. I accept Jesus, now I can go do whatever I want. No, that's not what this is about. It's not what a Christ follower does. So this morning I wanted to, I ran across this snippet of, from Andy Stanley, and, and it kind of illustrates where I'm going this morning, so I wanted to play that for you. Sermon on the Mount is extreme. All of it's extreme. Anybody who says they love the Sermon on the Mount, they've never read the whole Sermon on the Mount, okay? This is the gouge out your eyes, cut off your hand, cut off your arm, you know, pray for your enemies. This is the stuff where people are going, oh, we, nobody does. Somebody wants one, give them two. They want your shirt, give them your coat. This is all this extreme stuff. The Sermon on the Mount is what your life would look like if you had perfect faith in God. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. If you believe there is a kingdom beyond this kingdom, a value system beyond this value system, your life would look like the Sermon on the Mount. So as we mature as believers, we mature into more and more and more of that behavior. But Jesus just starts off on the extreme and said, okay, here is reality the way God sees it. Good luck. You know, I hope you get there someday. This is the value system from which I operate. And so within this framework, he makes his first statements about marriage, divorce, remarriage. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with the verses right before these, and I'm going to read straight through so that you hear this the way his followers heard this. Okay, you ready? We're going to do this real quick. Here's what happened. You have heard it said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, wait, I got to say, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Okay, I got, but it would be better for you to lose one part of your body than for, you to, for, than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Okay, I have a question about hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Okay, now you I don't have an eye and a hand. It would be better for you to lose one part of your body than to, for you to go, for your whole body to go into hell. Okay, now we've talked about hell twice. I have a question about hell. It has been said. Anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. That's right, because that's what Moses said. But I say, but I tell you, uh-oh, okay, wait, 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 wait. Every time you say, but I tell you, the standard goes like way up. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, causes her to become an adulteress. What? And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits Adultery. Wait, wait, wait. The person that marries, again, you have heard it said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by hell. Wait, wait, what about hell and divorce? You're going too fast. For it is God's throne or by the earth, for it is, okay, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're just going way too fast. Okay, I've lost two body parts. Half of me's gonna go to hell. I'm an adulterer because what? And then there's something about an oath. I can't be a Christian. <laughs> 
see, it's easy to forget that in that moment, Jesus was preaching to these guys. He was, he was saying, you know, we tend to go, okay, give me that verse and let me spend, uh, you know, six weeks studying what that means. And, and how overwhelming this would have been for, for them to hear this. You know, it's scary. It, this is what it means to be a Christ follower. Wait, no, hang on. That's not good. I, I don't know how to do that. That's cra- what? Right? I mean, it's overwhelming. These passages, you have heard it said, but now I say to you. And let me bring this home as I'm going to go through some of this. Now, please don't raise your hand. I'm going to ask questions, but I, I, don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to know the answer. Your neighbor doesn't need to, to, to know the answer, but I would like for you to understand that God already knows <laughs> the answer. Is anyone not reconciled to a family member? Don't raise your hand. Call them Raka. That's good. I never called anybody Raka before, so I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, except that this is a Aramaic word that was used to mean empty-headed or a derogatory term, stupid, or a, they were inferior. It put them down. Anybody ever put down a family member or called them stupid or called them one of those names? Jesus warns that the use of such words is tantamount to murder and deserves the severest punishment of the law. Still loving this sermon? (laughs) It's like, whoa, time out. I mean, I just got mad. I didn't mean it. How about looking at someone with lust in your heart? I know, looking around here, this time you can raise your hand. Let me see, everybody got their hands? Pretty much, we're pretty good. Our eyeballs, we got our our eyeballs. I know that you've got a detached retina that's reattaching, but (laughs) 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 I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We won't go there. Let me go over here. (laughs) We look pretty intact, so apparently no one in here uh, is lustful of anything. That's awesome way to go. And probably not true. <laughs> you know, where I need to say this real, real quick, especially to, it, the, to the younger guys and gals that are in here. Um, it does say to cut your arm off and to gouge out your eye. Please don't. <laughs> um, please don't do that. There's a point that he's making here that is absolutely critically important to hear, and that is, is simply that nothing is worth going to hell over. Nothing is worth um, eternal separation from God, and, and not even an eye or a hand. But you don't have to cut them off. You have to change maybe some behavior and do things a little bit differently. But this is the message that God is giving to us. It is better to cut off a hand and gouge out an eye than it is to live in in a way that separates us from God. Y'all know my story and how addiction separated me from God for a period of time. And what needed to happen, I still got my hands, (laughs) what needed to happen is that we needed to remove it. And I think that's part of what I hope you get out of this morning, this we needed to remove it. Yeah, I have an important part to play, but we remove it, me and 
God together can do a lot more than Mike can do in, in and of himself. Well, I'm glad we don't have any more except that we do have more. Jesus is telling us that being married to someone who's divorced makes us an adulterer. That, what do you do with that? And then he talks about not making an oath. Now, I'm a, I'm a, you know, a counselor, a pastor, a, 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 a married I've got lots of oaths and vows and stuff in my life. But what, what does that mean for me? And, and what do you do with, with the fact don't don't make an oath or, or a vow? R.C. Sproul, however, puts a little bit of light on this from that time period. One of the things that the, the first century Jewish leaders were doing was that they would swear an oath, but they wouldn't swear an oath by, on, by God. They'd swear an oath by the gold of the temple or by something else. Had, in our vernacular today, I swear by my mama's grave that I'll never do that again. Swear on my mommy's grave. Um, so that's what they were doing, which meant that as long as I didn't swear an oath by God, I didn't really have to follow that. So Jesus is saying, look, that stuff doesn't, doesn't work. That stuff doesn't fly. Let your yes be yes. Don't vow about stuff. Do it or don't. Yes is yes, and no is no. Live in such a way that, you're, that, that people know who you are and what you're about. If you're going to be one of my followers, then this is how I, I expect you to live. So follow me. Follow me. An eye for an eye? Really? Yeah, and eye, an eye for an eye. Of course, what really happens, that we, we put this up because it's kind of fun, but look at the next one. See, because what really happens is when you do an eye for an eye is that you just end up with two blind people, you know? Sounds right, though. It sounds fair. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that's justice and it's okay, and, that, and that's what, that's what it, things ought to be like. But Jesus goes, okay, time out. That's what the law says. But let me tell you a little bit about what I expect. Back in, the, in those days, the Romans could actually, because they were the conquering uh, people, they could, you know, if, if one of them came up and I, to me and said, hey, I want you to carry my pack for a mile, you know what I had to do? I had to carry that pack for a mile. Now, I only had to carry it for a mile, and then I could put it down, and then I could go about my business, and then he could go get Caden to carry the pack for the next mile, or Larry. And that was the way that it worked back then. But Jesus says, don't just do that. Carry it another mile. Go further. Go the extra mile. Don't just do the minimum required. And then he moves it even further. This is insane what the next part that he says is to love your enemies. Seriously? Love my enemies? That's, that can't be right. Except that it is. He says, I, I, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's just, that's just crazy. Why would you want to do that? Why would you do that? And then he goes on. He causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And you go, yeah, yeah, I know. But still, why do I have to love my enemies? And then he kind of drives a nail in. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your own people, 
What are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I need to tell you, the word for perfect here is a Greek word. It's teleos. Because in our world today, when I say be perfect, what does that mean? Without error. Get it just right, you know. This Greek word teleos, though, has a, is, is, is a little different. Because what that means is that it's to be complete, to be mature, to be brought to its end, to be perfected, to be perfect. So it's to mature. And I'm grateful for that, especially amongst this message for today, because I got to tell you, you know, this idea of getting it perfect all the time is just overwhelming. Andy Stanley, okay, okay, whoa, you're going way too fast, which I bet they were probably doing was going, okay, time out, Jesus, you're, uh, this is too much, I can't even take this in, I've lost two body parts, half of me's going to hell, I'm an adulterer because of what, and then there's something about an oath, I can't do this, I can't be a Christian. And it was funny, except sometimes it feels that way, right? feels, I can't live up to this and that's true if it were solely up to you and I there would be no way that we could live life the way that Jesus is describing it but this is the message of Christ to us so it must be possible to engage and grow into this and this morning there's two things Two things that I really, really want us to grab out of this morning. And the first, I said it earlier. Jesus is very concerned and cares about how we live our lives. He cares about how we live our lives. He wants us to strive to live in a way that's different from those in the world. In Jesus' time, the Pharisees looked like they had it all together, and Jesus pointed out that they didn't. And too often we hear this amazing message of love and grace, and, and I don't want to minimize that message, so please uh, just hear that too. I don't want to minimize the love and grace. That's the gospel. It's real. That's what Jesus came for. He brought love and grace into this place. But, but don't hear just that message and not hear the rest of it. Because Jesus has more. It's not just love and grace. How we live matters. He cares about how we live. And that's not just like with our parents. It's not to be restrictive or to keep you, Rebecca, from growing into the, the, the beautiful young lady that you're going to be. It's so that you can grow into the beautiful young lady that you can be. That's what parenting is about, amen, is that we, 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 we try to help our kids. What's your name? Cameron. So, so we want Cameron to grow, to become the young man that, that only Cameron can be, who he's called to be. That's the goal of parenting, right, is we want, want more for kids than for ourselves. Jesus wants more for us than we even know. He wants us to become all that we can be, not just part of who we can be. And the love and grace part is awesome, but if that's all we get, then we're missing half of the message. If we miss half of the message, we're living half of the life. It's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. 
See, that second half is stop living for yourself. Stop living for yourself. Stop living like the world. Start living in your eternity. Did you know that when you say yes to Jesus, your eternity starts from that moment? It's not when you die. You're living in your eternity now. This king, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's in the prayer. And by the way, that's another Jesus thing. Jesus gave us that. So I'm pretty sure that's a good one. So grab hold of that. Our eternity starts when? Now. We're living in our eternity now. Say it again. Now. Now. This is the eternity that we're supposed to be brought into. You get to start living in that. You get to start living in that. Everything changes when you start living in that. Because if I'm in my eternity, all the junk that's going on now, how important is that? Not as. Does it matter? Sure. Are you human? It matters. <laughs> but if i am got that eternal mindset, it's not as important. That's how we can fulfill some of these things. Because Jesus is constantly going... You've heard it said, but I say go here. Take it to the next step. Jesus is very concerned with how we live our lives. And the second thing is this. We need Jesus. <laughs> we need him. If, this, if there's not much else you get out of this passage, it's that you can't do it. I can't do it alone. I can't do it without him. We need him, as in need him to be able to, to, to live into this lifestyle that he's pointing out to us. See, Paul tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. You know what that means? Now, come on, go with me. There is none righteous. It's not, I'm not tricking you. There is none righteous, no, not one. That means that there are none, you know, we're not there. We, it's through Christ. That's how this happens. But he also points out the remedy for our inability to live that way when he says in Romans 3, apart from the law, of, apart from the, law the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That came by who? Christ Jesus. Where does our righteousness come from? Christ Jesus. Does it come from us? No, there is none righteous. No, not one. Who's righteous? Christ Jesus. If we live into that faith that we have in him, then we get his righteousness imputed and imparted to us. Now, now I can strive to fulfill these things that Jesus is saying. Now I've got a chance. Now I can live this way. Now I can strive to, to live in a way that is impossible. Our righteousness comes from God. And it's not licensed to live in whatever manner we choose. How we live matters to Jesus. Matters to him. We do our best to live in a new way. But this is where freedom lies. We talk about the freedom of, of Christ. This is where that lies. We're grateful that Christ has fulfilled the requirements of the law. We're thankful that we seek to live a life that goes beyond the rules and regulations that are out there, that, that are upon us. We love God. We love our neighbor, and we extend that love to all that we come in contact with. That's living this Christian life that we talk about 
But it doesn't matter what we talk about if we don't live it. Well, Pastor, I'm not ready yet. Man, that's a high bar. (laughs) I have some work to do. But I'll do it. I'll, I'll get to that work, and I'll work on it, and I'll get better, and I'll learn more, and I'll figure it out, and I'll... And then, then I'll come to you. Young man had heard the gospel and accepted Christ. A little while after that, a teacher asked him, what have you done for Christ since you believed? And he said, well, wait, hey, I'm, a lear- I'm a learner. I'm learning right now. And the teacher said, well, okay. When you light a candle, do you light it to make the candle more comfortable or to give light? Well, to give light. Do you expect it to give light after it's half burned or when you first light it? Well, when I first light it. Very well, you go and do the same. We don't wait. We come as we are, and God will use us in amazing and powerful ways. You don't get better and come. Please, that's a message that's been in the church for way too long. You don't get better and come. You come as you are, and God works in and through and among all of us, and you get to become who God created you to be in power and in amazement. Now is the time. Now is the time. Share your faith. Tell your story. Tell your story. I've been fielding a lot of phone calls over the past six weeks about just people reaching out because I'm recovering, and it's well known now that I'm, I'm, I'm recovering. What is that saying? It means if you're interested in being a part of starting Celebrate Recovery, see me later because we're going to do that because it's time. But what's your story? That's my story. What's your story? Because in that story, God wants to move and use you to reach people. Always does. And if you're like, I'm not sure about that. Well, tell them the story of what's going on at Arbor Point Church. I'll give you a couple. I was at a chili cook-off. When was that, Harold? Yesterday. I'm just making sure you're awake. (laughs) <laughs> and I pulled in and my uh, stepson and my daughter-in-law were walking into and I can never get the name of the store right Southern something or other there what is it simply Southern, simply Southern. see you know <laughs> so, I, I, so I parked and I stopped off and I said hey to Harold and Betty I went in to simply Southern and just to see Joel and Michelle and I walked in there they introduced me to Tabitha who's the owner of simply Southern and Michelle said, oh, and this is Mike, who's the pastor at Arbor Point Church. And she went, Arbor Point Church? I need to tell you, you guys sent a basket to my dad who had cancer. And she started crying. And you prayed for him, and you had a card in that basket. And it has impacted his life, and now he's in remission. And he looks forward to the day that he can come to visit with y'all. We did Baskets of Love last February. There was about six or eight or ten folks, uh, you know, the youth, I think Drew helped with that. I show up at, at at think about, now think about what all had to align for that to happen. I had to come at, one was late, it was already afternoon. 
Joel and Michelle happened to be walking. I wasn't going to go to Simply Southern. Nothing against Tabitha. I didn't know her. <laughs> I ended up, we ended up in that place at the same time so that God could reinforce for us this morning. I want you to hear this. We may not see the impact that we're having always, but you need to know that you are having an impact when you do these things because you took the time, uh, you know, for it was for fun, sort of, but the impact of that is eternal. Got to hear another story this, uh, this past week from a member here who, who uh, that it was their turn to bring food to the soccer game, and so uh, their son, I, I'd tell you who it was, but I didn't get permission, so, <laughs> so their, their son, um, you know, they were doing the, the snacks, so he wanted to be first, I'm going to be first, and he wasn't, so he started crying. And the dad pulled him aside and said, son, you know, when Jesus fed all those folks on the mountain, he didn't eat first, did he? And his son went, oh, okay, that makes sense. And, and he said, I, he told me, I don't have no idea where that came from. <laughs> I said, I do, you know, I do. But here's the beauty of it. The next week during recess, his son was the first to the slide. You know what he did? He let everybody else go first because Jesus didn't eat first. You want to know what God's doing? Tell people what God's doing. Got this this morning. I guess it probably didn't come this morning. It's, it's mail. <laughs> Pastor Divine at Arbor Point Church, thank you for your continuous support during the fall festival. Your support means so much to us. Mayor Kennerly, the council, and staff. This is about community. It's about getting out of it. We're not about being in this building, right? This is about getting out into this community. People, you know, it was the coolest thing because, you know, I'm still relatively new around here, and, and people were coming up and saying, hey, you, you're Mike, the pastor at Arbor Point. That's good stuff. There, God is moving in and among and through this place. Grab hold. Tell that story. If you're, <laughs> if you're struggling with your own, I hope you're not, I, but tell the story of what God is doing in you, in this church, in this place, in this community. He's moving. It's happening. And we, but if we stay shut up, you know, that's on us. God doesn't want that. I can tell you that. Tell your story. We're on a journey together, right? The, we're calling this series The Journey because it's what it means to be a disciple at Arbor Point. We're on this journey together, and it's time to let God use you. It's just time. Let God use you in however he's going to do that. Because he wants to. And he will. Amen?